This morning, I'm really excited. We're doing uh, somewhat of a, a one uh, standalone message that really is kind of a prequel to the series we're going in, uh, which I know is kind of cheating, right? You're probably like, why don't you just make it all one? Well, because I can do what I want. And uh, But this morning, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, share a message with you that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, many of you are probably, if you are a parent of a child who is in elementary school, middle school, or high school, you might be actually throwing a party because probably all of your kids are going back to school uh, this week. And that brings both excitement, maybe a little bit of a sigh of relief, but adds new stresses. Uh, for many, it's going to mean that they're going to be heading into a new phase. For some of you, I know you're going to have kindergartners for the first time, and that's going to be a big new step. Some of you are heading off to new schools. And so this morning, what we wanted to do is take some time to just pause and be reminded of the importance of why we as a church self-proclaim ourselves as a next-generational church. Now, it's not because we, we really actually think that, that God loves one generation or one, loves a certain age group more than others, but it's because we recognize the fact that it, it, every little phase that someone is in, and a phase is just a period of time, it's a season, it, it, it's, a, it's a certain time period that has a beginning and it has an end. And it's a phase, typically, where you only go through it once. And we think it's important to pause and think through those things. And so, and I'm also excited, spoiler alert, at the end, the kids are going to come in, and we're going to invite, also, if you're a teacher or work in the school system, we're going to have a special time of prayer uh, for that. But this morning, I want us to think about this, and I want us to put in our mind, before I dive into the message, a couple things. Number one. I wholly recognize that I am not an expert on uh, early childhood development or parenting. Uh, I am just humbly bringing what I find in God's word and smarter people than I. And the second thing is some of you in here this morning are going to feel like this message is not for you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize that as scripture talks about time, whether we're talking about it with children or we're talking about it in our own lives, every single one of us needs to pause and realize that we're in some sort of phase. We're in some sort of season. We need to look at God's word and see what does God say to us in this moment about how do we make every single one matter. So let's dive into some scripture this morning. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is a fun word to say, right? Uh, Also, can I just be honest with you guys? I have a Bible degree, and I misspell Ecclesiastes every single time. This confession, because I'm among friends. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1, it just says this, for, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Now, the author will go on and, and talk about um, uh, um, just sort of different life places, but may I say that for all of us, right, for every single thing in our life, there's a season. The job that you have right now, you will not have forever. The relationship that you are in right now, someday someone's going to die. I don't want to be like crude and weird. The house you live in, you will not live in forever. Your child, who's at a certain age, will not be at that age forever. I'm constantly reminding myself that my three-year-old, who has a lot of questions, who breaks many things, will not be three forever. I have one time to have this child who's a three-year-old. 
one time. For some of us right now, we're in a season where we're in retirement or we're, we're, we're grandparenting. There is a season for everything. Now, why do we think Scripture reminds us this? I think it's this reality that Ecclesiastes is, is a part of an uh, uh, area of Scripture that we oftentimes refer to as wisdom literature. And we know what wisdom is, right? It's, it, 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 it's what's best, right? We, 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 we all of us would probably say we would like to live a, a life that people would say we use good wisdom, right? No one really like, says, like, I would like people to look at my life and say, what a fool, right? No one's probably going to say that. And so good wisdom tells us that we look at life and realize that there's only so much time. And the truth is we don't know how much time there is. And so there's something important about recognizing that in the midst of every season, there's a time frame, there's a beginning, and there's an end. And what we do in between there matters. You see the title on the screen says it's just a phase, so don't miss it. Many of us have have said that to a young parent who is looking incredibly tired, right? And they say, don't worry, it's just a phase. When you have the teenager who is trying to figure out their independence and someone will say, don't worry, it's just a phase. And the truth is, when we hear that term, typically what we think of, right, is, listen, this part is not very fun, but don't worry, it will end. We use a curriculum, we partner with something called Orange. That's the curriculum that uh, both our, 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 our children's ministry and, and most of the time our student ministry uses as well. Orange does this cool thing where they believe that there's two major influences uh, for children who grow up in a Christian home or what they should be. Uh, red represents the heart, and that's the home, that's the family. Yellow represents the church, which is, you know, Jesus, the light of the world, and that when you combine them together, you get orange. And what they say, and there's a great book, I forgot to bring it up here, but I would highly recommend it to you. They wrote this book called It's Just a Face, so don't miss it. And it's this idea of reclaiming this idea that in every phase, there's going to be good and bad. There's going to be opposition and opportunities. But at every phase, don't miss out on what God wants to do in you and through you. Because we all know how quick it goes, right? We all know that it's the most cliche and annoying thing that people tell you when you start having kids, right? Just blink and it'll go away. And you're like, I really hope you're wrong. But then on other days, you're like, good Lord, please may that be true. But when we start to think through the lens of it's just a phase, don't miss it. We begin to try to think through the idea that at every phase, and whether it's with children, whether it's in our career, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in uh, retirement, grandparenthood, whatever it may be, that at every phase there's going to be good and there's going to be bad. And that in the midst of it, God wants to teach us something. God wants to use us for something. But the reality is we have to be intentional in thinking through how we are living. Now, in the book of Psalms, uh, in, 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 in chapter 90, verse 12, there is written a prayer from a man named Moses. Moses, if you've never heard of his story, you should go to the Old Testament, open up to the second book. It's called Exodus. And Moses has this crazy story uh, where he is abandoned into the water. He's found by the most powerful family in the world. He grows up and eventually uh, commits murder, goes off. And long story short, God eventually uses Moses 
to uh, take the, the people of God who were enslaved in Egypt, and he leads them out of enslavement. Moses is a pretty cool dude, and Moses has a really cool story. But Moses, I also think, had deep wisdom. He, he spent a lot of time with God, and he had deep wisdom. And in Psalm 90, verse 12, when he's giving this prayer, he says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, what is a heart of wisdom? I honestly have no idea. But here's what I do know. I think I would rather have a heart of wisdom than a foolish heart, right? I think I know what a foolish heart is, right? A foolish heart is like uh, a girl on The Bachelor, right? I'm just saying. Sorry to go there, but I'm saying that's a foolish heart. Stepping on some toes. Sorry. Um, what's a heart of wisdom, though? I think a heart of wisdom is looking at the wisdom that God gives and trying to live into that wisdom, trying to get the most out of this this time period, this life that we have that doesn't last forever. And so I think it's this incredible idea to teach us to number our days. Why is it important to number our days? I think when we begin to number our days, we begin to realize that it is not something that lasts forever. We begin to have more intentionality. I have some marbles up here. You want to know that's something crazy? Whether you know it or not, some of you are going to be like, trust me, I already know this. You're losing your marbles. I'm losing my marbles every day. Some of you are like, yes, we know. Any idea how many marbles are in this jar? There are 936 marbles in this jar. Representing the fact that on average, a parent from the time that their child is born until the time that they will graduate from high school is 936 weeks. Now, when we hear that number, that sounds like quite a bit, right? 936 weeks on average that, 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 that a parent has a child in their home. Like, you know, a week is quite a long time. You know, it's seven days. I don't know how many minutes. I don't know how many seconds. But that's quite a bit of time. And when we see this, we see, wow. That's pretty impressive. But then when we start to really think about it and we begin to take marbles out, we realize that it doesn't take that long for them to run out. To put it in perspective, when you have a nine-year-old, you have 468 weeks. When your child starts sixth grade, they start middle school, they have 364 weeks. And when they begin high school, ninth grade, they have 208 weeks on average. Every single week, you're losing a marble. Now, why tell you this? Why do I tell you this? Well, the reason I tell you this is, 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 is this wise guy named Reggie Joyner who's done a lot of work in trying to think through how the church and parents can partner together in raising children he said this, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. And when you see how much time you have left, you tend to make what matters matter more. 
when we don't take serious the time that we have with our children, when we don't take serious the time that we have with our grandchildren, when we don't take serious as a church the time that we have with children, guess what? We waste it. We only get one shot. And we are slowly but surely losing our marbles. In the book, It's Just a Phase, Don't Miss It, by Reggie Joyner and a, and a, a lady named Kristen Ivey. Kristen Ivey just says this, Kids at every phase need an adult who will show up predictively, predictably and consistently over time. Which, to be honest, I could probably say that for adults as well. For adults who truly want to follow Jesus, we need people who will show up predictably and consistently over time. This is why getting into community uh, in life groups and Bible studies, which you're going to hear some more about, uh, some opportunities in the coming weeks about that, it's important because when we have consistent people who show up in our lives, we're reminded of a God who is consistently in our life, who's consistently loving us, who doesn't leave us in the hard times, isn't just there for us in the good, but is there during all of the times. Now, again, Parents and those of you who have, have kids who are out, out, have flown the coop, they're out of the nest, which in a lot of ways that's the goal, right? You get this, right? You're like, yes, I know it goes so fast. But let's think about this from the perspective of the church, okay? In this jar here, you're not going to believe me, but there's 40 marbles. This would represent... Probably, if someone was involved in a family that is super consistently involved in church, this would represent probably on average 40 weeks a year that a kid is going to be invested in by the church. This isn't counting extracurriculars and things like that. Now, I say 40 because the reality is you're going to have some vacations. You're going to have some time where you're sick. You're going to maybe have some holidays or different times when they're not going to have maybe their normal programming. And we're talking maybe an hour, maybe a little bit more. So we're talking each year, if you're really consistent, 40 hours during the year that your children through your church are going to be deeply invested in and loved on. Now, I say that because it's staggering because if we look at our priorities, there's times where I'm just saying, if I had one of these for sports or dance, it'd probably be a little bit bigger. If I was to put it in there uh, for video games or for social media, it'd probably be quite bigger. Now, if we go even on a little bit more of a difficult setting, the reality is the average consistent, engaged member in church in 2019, statistics say, depending on what you ask for, most of them round to the idea that a normal average Sunday morning attender attends church about uh, 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 two times per month. So if we went on that line or uh, things like that, we get this jar, which I'm trying to be generous, and I give 24 weeks, which means 24 hours, a singular day a teeny drop in the life of a child. Teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I tell you all of this because we have got to take on a sense of urgency. We have to take on a sense of seriousness 
that we have to show up. We have to take serious the reality that if we blink, if we coast through a phase, we miss it. We don't get to go back in time and get to do over what it was like to have the 5-year-old, the 10-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 16-year-old. And the truth is, part of our goal, part of our, our desire here as a church is that we want to be invested in the lives of the next generation and their families Because uh, as there's a book I'm reading right now called Faith for Exiles, we really do believe that the world that we live in, in a lot of ways, we could say is like in the Old Testament Babylon. Yet it's more of a digital Babylon these days. That there's more things going on. And, And the goal as a parent is not to protect your children, but to prepare your children. That someday our hope and our desire is that our children will rise up and be world changers in the name of Jesus. And our goal is not to uh, coddle them and put them in, in this, this, this incubator where, where, where eventually they might try to come out of the world and they're just shocked and they're not prepared. But we want to help them learn how to live as exiles like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego uh, did in Babylon, where they will not just survive, but they will thrive where they will take the church farther and faster than we ever could. But we have to realize that we are losing our marbles each week. And we have to be consistent in this. This is why if you serve in student ministry or children's ministry, why it's so important, why it matters sometimes when we, when we say we need you to show up because children in this church need people who are predictively and consistently showing up to show them that the God of all the universe loves them, that you are a personified person to them in that In preschool, kids need you to show up so they know you. In preschool, kids need us to show up so they know us. I know this. My my son, Gideon, who is uh, going to be starting preschool soon, he's constantly trying to figure out and size up people. Can I trust you? Do I trust you? In elementary years, kids need us to show up so they know that you know them. They're starting to figure out their identity, and they want to know, do you know me? They want to know, do you know the sports I'm in? Do you, do you know who my best friend is? Do you know my favorite color, my favorite TV show? They want you to know those things, and they want to know if you know them because they want to know, do I matter to you? In middle school, kids need you to show up so they know that you know them now. They're not those little kids in elementary school anymore. They're practically adults now in middle school. And they need to know, have you stuck it out? Are you willing to know them still, even though they're changing? And in high school, kids need us to show up so they know that we will be there for them when they need us. You see, I oftentimes wonder if part of the reason why children begin to disconnect uh, when they're in high school and beyond, there's lots of factors, but one of them I wonder about is if they feel like church is still a safe place for them where people are truly for them, where it's still a place where people will allow them to be them, to explore their faith, and not tell them that they have to have everything all together already. At every phase, we have to learn to show up. We have to learn to number our days. Remember It's just a phase, so don't miss it. In the book of Deuteronomy, 
which is part of the first five books of the Bible, oftentimes referred to as the Pentateuch or the Torah or the book of law. In Deuteronomy, we find Moses, who at this point in his life is an old man, and and he's going to die fairly soon. And a lot of Deuteronomy is retelling the story of uh, of the books that came uh, before it. And Moses is very much sort of at this phase of life where he's looking backwards and he's trying to give wisdom. He's trying to impart things onto the younger generation. And he just says this in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then he says this, this is so important, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Now, why does Moses tell him this? Part of this, I think it's, it's contextually important to know that Moses is talking to a group of people who didn't live through all of what just happened. Moses led this group of people who had been enslaved for many, many years. And he's talking partially to this group who in some ways didn't experience all of that. They don't remember what it was like to be a slave. And also on the same way, the, Moses is looking, he's recognizing that generations before had forgotten God. Part of the reason they got enslaved, we don't know every little aspect of it, but was probably because they began to forget God. They began to become unfaithful. And so Moses is trying to impart into this idea of them, you have to be intentional about making sure that your children know about who God is, about his love, about the fact that he is a deliverer, that he is the source of freedom that they now have. And the truth is, my friends, my parents, my grandparents, even those who are aunts, uncles, whoever you are, if you're a part of this church, you have influence over the next generation. If we are not taking every opportunity to remind them, to impress upon them the love of God, we are surely just missing huge opportunities. We cannot expect our children just to choose things for themselves. Now, here's the reality. This is the hard news. You cannot make anyone believe anything. I loved last week when my friend Haley got baptized. She reminded the fact that this was a choice that she made. This is a conclusion she came to. This experience of love of Jesus, she came to on her own. But you better believe that her parents were making her come to places where she was going to hear about the love of Christ, that they were talking about it with her, that prayer was happening in their family. There's this, there's this false narrative that goes on. Sometimes it says, I don't want to force my kids into anything. I want them to choose it for themselves. Well, let me just tell you something. If I didn't force my three-year-old to brush his teeth, guess what? We'd be looking real good in the, the, the teeth department, right? He's not going to choose that for himself. If I told my son he only had to nap or go to bed when he wanted to, you would probably say, let's call CPS. This guy's crazy. Well, we already know he's crazy, but we're going to call for other reasons. 
But there's this reality that there is a way to impress upon your children the love of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, without having to be dictatorial, without having to do it in a way that is going to harm them or make them um, flee from these things. I do believe there is a bad way to parent in the name of, of, of biblicalness, in the way of Jesus, where it is not a healthy uh, thing. But the reality is there are so many great ways to raise up children to know Jesus, to give them the opportunity to come to the conclusions themselves. But the reality is it's hard for them to meet someone they're never introduced to. And so the question becomes, how are you making every marble count? One of the ways that we think it's important, one tool that can be a really great opportunity for us, I want to show you real quick, is something called the Parent Q app. And so I want you guys to check out this video really quickly. From the day your child is born to the day they graduate, you have 936 weeks. 936 weeks of soccer practice and homework and teaching them to use deodorant. 936 weeks to instill values, to build character, and to prepare them to face the world. You want to be a great parent, and we're here to help with each moment of parenting goal. Driving your fourth grader to practice. Saying goodbye to your 10th grader as he's walking out the door. Eating tacos in the kitchen with your 7th grader. Tucking your toddler in at night. These moments happen every week, and we want you to be aware of the time you have left. Because when you are, you do more with the time you have now. We cue you with easy, just-in-time ideas of things to say, things to do, and things to think about to connect with the heart of your child. Our cues are grounded in God's big story, so your child can discover the power of faith in those everyday moments of life. Every cue fits the context of your child's developmental phase. We cue you when your high schooler won't leave their room, your middle schooler won't pick up their clothes, your two-year-old won't stop talking. We help you understand these moments, and we help you connect. You only have 936 weeks. You can't afford to waste them. Parent Cue, it's what we do. Download it for free today. So you can find that in any sort of app store. It's free. There's, you can set, it doesn't take long to set up. You can also add our church to it, which uh, oftentimes you'll get to see what your children uh, are learning about anyways. And it gives you an opportunity to have easy ways to connect. Some of you are sitting here saying, Aaron, this is all great. I have no idea how to do that. I can't teach my children how to, you know, go through expositorily through uh, the Bible. I can't teach them theology. Do you know what? In some ways, some of the best theology training you can give your children is just showing up and engaging them. Just showing up and praying with them and loving on them and reminding them of simple truths. I love this app though. You can add both your kids. It is, I will admit though, it does make you sad, but it's good because it gives a little thing. Like right now, it tells me that I have 768 weeks until Gideon moves on. Silas, I have uh, 912 weeks. But there's something important and great about looking at something like this, just a simple tool that gives us a visual representation to be reminded that we have to make every week, every moment matter. We can't just check out and take the easy way out. Also, we can't hope and pray. In the, well, I guess we should pray. But we can't just hope that our children are going to come to know Jesus and serve him in great ways by accident. We have to invest in them. 
One of the ways that I simply try to invest in, in, in my sons, and this is so simple, and this is something that's not groundbreaking, and like I said, I don't have it all together. I don't know all of it. I'm really bad. There's many a weeks where I have a meltdown with my three-year-old especially, and we both like don't make eye contact for like a half hour because we're not proud of what just happened. But just about every night and just about every morning when I drop him off at daycare, we say two simple phrases, and I make him say it because I want him to be reminded of this. God loves me, and God's with me. God loves me, and God's with me. And the reason why we say that is he's three. He doesn't understand everything, but he can understand love in some ways, and he can understand when someone is with them and not with them. And I think there's something important about the consistency of just constantly reminding them. And we're reminded of this because we know that that God personified, that God is love. And that personified God's love is Jesus. And we know that Jesus was called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. So even if you begin something as simple as reminding your children, your grandchildren each day that God loves them, and God's with them. I promise you what feels like a small thing could become a huge, important thing. You see, everyone needs to know that Jesus loves them and is with them at every phase. Everyone needs to know that Jesus loves them and is with them at every phase. This is your, your, this is your three-year-old, and this is your 90-year-old. Every single one of us needs to know that we are not alone. That the God of all the universe shows up daily and, and every moment with us because he loves us. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're reminded Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. My friends, make each phase matter. And at each phase, look for Jesus. Because again, it's going to go fast. Again, be reminded that though we want to think it's just going to be like this, slowly, 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 it's going to go so fast. We need all of those back, by the way. Don't, thank you for your volunteering to help. Don't miss it. Don't sit back and wish that you would have done something different with this. Invest in every single moment. And as a church, may we come alongside and make even something as small as this multiply. Would you guys pray with me? God, I thank you just so much for who you are. And God, I do thank you for the fact that you, God, are with us at every single phase. God, you don't take moments off. You don't take weeks off. But at every single phase, you're here with us because you love us. God, I thank you for the fact that, God, you teach us to number our days. You teach us that every single moment, every single time in our life has a season. And so, God, I pray that we would be aware 
and we begin to live differently so as to not let that pass us by, to not sit back someday and say, I wish I would have, but we would just have the boldness and the wisdom and the consistency to show up now. God, I pray also for some of us, God, who maybe are like, that's not the season of life I'm in. I pray that for some of them, some of us, we would find the opportunities here in our church, here in our neighborhood to invest in the next generation. God, I pray for some of us who are maybe towards the ends of our life. We have more, we have less life ahead of us than we have behind us. God, I pray that we would begin to think about our legacy. What sort of legacy do we want to leave? God, how can we invest in in leaving a great legacy? God, maybe it's thinking of, of spending our time differently. Maybe it's using talents that we have differently. God, maybe it's leaving our treasure so it will go longer, uh, it will last longer and we'll invest in the next generation behind us. God, we so desperately don't want to miss anything. God, we want to follow you in your will and your way. So God, this morning, God, as we are going to respond through singing, God, I pray that you would talk to us in the way that you want to talk to us. God, I pray that you would show up in a way that only you can show up. And God, would you remind us that you love us and that you're with us no matter what. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.